God, thank you for your word today, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us. God, give us eyes, Lord, to see your word, ears to hear your spirit, and a heart to receive, God, Lord, everything you have for us. Lord, give us a mind to understand these things and continue to minister to our hearts this morning. Lord, we need you. We want you so much. So I ask for your touch and anointing by your spirit right now. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just this last month, a report came out by the American Worldview Inventory. And it was their annual survey on the perspective of adults from age 18 and over in the United States. Now, in this survey, it was interesting to me, it was found that 57% of millennials, which they, they put born from 1984 to 20 or 2002, that's the millennials, that 57% of millennials considered themselves to be Christian. But this is the interesting thing to me. 43%, and I quote, don't know, don't care, or believe that God exists. Now, this is compared to 31% of Gen X, Americans born from 65 to 1983, uh, and 28% of baby boomers born from 1946 to 1964, and 27% of the builder generation born from 1927 to 1945 uh, that don't know, don't care, or believe that God exists. So you can see the percentage has grown today from what it was before. The article went on to say younger Americans are reshaping the country with a philosophy of life that rejects faith in God and organized worship at the same time defining success and morality in terms of personal happiness and economic social justice. I thought that was super interesting. This was just last May this came out, this survey, and And I feel like this just reflects exactly what's happening in our society today. There is a great spiritual drift going on right now. And I've talked about that. I've mentioned that. And we can see that. We can see how our country is changing. We can see how even laws are being changed, reflecting all of that. But as we head toward the end time of the tribulation, this was all expected, right? This was all prophesied. I want to read to you a couple scriptures. I think it will be on the screen. But 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. And we see that today there's a mix of truth and lie. There's There's a mix of a lot of deception and false truths being put out there in the world, embracing that. And even believers and and those who profess to be believers departing from the faith, drifting from the faith there. Jesus also said in Matthew 24, 12, and because lawlessness lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. So we see that also, the love for God, the love for one another is growing cold. Yeah, it's getting worse. Things are drifting in that way. And by the time the tribulation comes, it seems like no one will want to follow God. I mean, we saw that last time, right? We saw the people of the world not 
even under the sixth seal and all the cataclysmic events going on, that they still will not humble themselves, submit to God, and repent, even after all of that. And so we get that feeling in, in the tribulation years, the last seven years of the world as we know it, that there will be such a departure from God and believing in Him. Matter of fact, it's more of a rebellion, even acknowledging, yeah, yeah, there's God, but I'm not going to follow Him, right? We've been seeing that and talking about that. But let me tell you this. God will not be done yet. There is hope. God is still right now. And God will be in the tribulation years. He will still reach out to people. He will still save. Remember he talked about the tribulation saints, right? Uh, uh, The fifth seal a couple weeks ago. If you missed any of this, you can catch it on our podcast or even right on our website. You can catch these messages or, or YouTube channel and all of that. But you remember the fifth seal, that there's these tribulation saints. There's these Christians who come to believe in Jesus during those tribulation years. And also, not only that, Jews will be saved in Jesus. And that's what we find here, really. 144,000 will be saved. And God will then send them out to share Jesus to their own people. These will be the missionaries of redeemed Israel. And that's the title of our message this morning. The missionaries of redeemed Israel. We're going to be studying Revelation chapter 7 from verse 1 through 8 this morning. Just taking about half the chapter there. And uh, we're going to see two things here. I've divided this passage into two parts, and this is our outline. Number one, the pause in the judgments. And number two, the people who are saved. So, the missionaries that redeem Israel. Let's begin with number one in our outline, the pause in the judgments. The pause in the judgments. Now, for this section, we're, we're going to be covering verses 1 through 3. 1 through 3. But first of all, let's take a look at verse 1. Revelation 7, verse 1. It says, After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. And we'll stop right there. Now, we begin with the Apostle John writing again. And he writes here what he sees. And he sees, first of all, after this, the first two words here in verse 1. After what? Well, after the sixth seal. After the whole earth goes into, like, I I was thinking it's like a convulsion. Yeah. All the earthquakes that we saw, the meteors, and I believe the volcanoes going off, and the whole earth feeling and experiencing all of this. That judgment is fallen in in these natural disasters in the time of unprecedented natural disaster. And that that was our title uh, last week, right? So after the sixth seal, after all this, John sees now four angels holding back four winds. And they're standing there at the four corners of the earth. Now the word corner, probably better translated, would be quadrants. Four quadrants. And it really speaks of like the four points of a compass. Like north, south, east, west. So, so that's the idea here that is being put forth. And so these angels, these four angels, which really are going to be bringing judgment in, 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 in what we'll be reading ahead. But these guys ready to do that. But then they're, they're, they're tasked now to stop 
not bring judgment, but hold back the wind on, over the whole planet. Now, can you imagine that? No wind on this planet. No, not, no breeze rustling the trees. Yeah? Uh, no trees swaying. No, no waves, not even a ripple on the water. I mean, it, it'll be totally glass. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, you know, the hydro... hydro Hydraulic, hydro, I can't say the word. But you know the cycle yeah, of water evaporating, making clouds. That, that might even start to disappear. And if there is a cloud, it's not moving. And, you, and I was trying to imagine that. Can you imagine no wind around the whole world? I mean, I mean, what happens here in Maui Yeah, when there's no wind? Oh, it gets so hot. Remember when um, a couple of years back or so and the two hurricanes came, you know? And between the, the, the trades and our islands, and they were coming down between us, and they stopped the wind. Oh, it's never been so hot and humid. I remember that was, like, that was like totally unbearable. Well, imagine that all over the whole world. But imagine this now. Imagine the eerie stillness, because in contrast to all the earthquakes that have gone on, all the meteors, all this calamity going down, and all of a sudden, boom, there's just stillness. There's, there's this pause here. Can you imagine how eerie and weird that would be feeling? I mean, it's just so, boom, 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 all of a sudden, everything stops. And then there's this stillness. After all that, I think that would be eerie. I think that would be a little spooky. God now puts in a pause here. There's a pause in the judgments. It's sort of a calm before the storm, a break before the next judgments fall. And that's what we see here really in Revelation chapter 7. We know six seals have been opened. We covered that in the last six weeks. And, and what will come next is a seventh seal. Remember, there's seven seals on this document, right, that Jesus is holding, that title deed to the earth, and he's rolling it open step by step, little by little. And, he, and it's right before the seventh, there's this pause. Well, when the seven seals open, out of that actually comes seven trumpet judgments. And then I'll, I'll tell you ahead of time, a preview. Out of the seventh trumpet comes the seven bold judgments. So here's a pause, a calm, before the storm, so to speak. So more is to come, but there is a pause going on right here between the judgments that are falling upon the world. Now we're going to see in a moment that these are going to be, this is to mark the 144,000. But I also want to think about this. I also think that this is the mercy of God upon the world. I really think about it. I believe that. I think there's a pause in all of this. There's this, there's this kind of whole spooky kind of stillness. They're, they know this is the wrath of God we saw in the sixth seal. Then all of a sudden it stops. So it has to be God bringing this pause. So I believe God is giving opportunity for the world, for people in the world to repent and turn to God. This is the Lord. Even in the midst of falling judgment, He gives mercy. That's what Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, the end of the verse, it, it's talking, the verse talks about the heart of God, and the prophet says, really talks about how the Lord does even in wrath 
remember mercy. I mean, it, it, it's part of his character, right? He's holy and he has to bring judgment as we, we went over a number of weeks ago. But at the same time, he's gracious. At the same time, he has mercy. And this is what I see. This is God's heart. Even in a time of judgment, he stops, brings his stillness. And yeah, there, there's, there's going to be a re- another reason for this, but I believe it's also his mercy. He gives mercy. Perhaps today you've come and just being in worship, being in the presence of the Lord has, has been like a pause in the quote-unquote tribulation you've been going through. Perhaps it's been a good, maybe even distraction for your mind to come and worship the Lord, uh, sing the words of the songs, and I hope it has. Maybe it's a no. I, I hope every time we come to church, it's a little oasis, yeah, from the crazy stuff going on in the world. Perhaps this is a pause. You know what? That's God's mercy many times to help us in our lives. It's time to regroup. It's time for us to rethink. It. It. It, it is even a time for us to stop our own craziness. And repent and turn to Jesus Christ. And that's what's going on here in the world right now. Well, take a look at verse 2 and 3 now. John goes on and writes in verse 2, Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not, verse 3, do not harm the earth, or the seas, or the trees, until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. So John then saw this other angel coming up from the direction of the rising sun, which is a poetic way of talking about from the east, right? The sun rises from the east, we know here. And I, I believe from John's standpoint, we're sitting there on the island of Patmos. Remember, he's on the Aegean Sea. When he looks east, it's towards Israel. And I believe that that's important because this is the focus here, is on Israel. So here's this angel coming out up from that direction, from the east. And it's from the, the area where Israel is, where, where, where his homeland is. And, and I believe that's significant in that way. And so this angel comes now, ascending from the rising of the sun, with the seal of the living God, like in his hand. The seal of the living God. And now, now what, what is that? Well, the living God, we know, really talks about the one and only true God. He's living. He's not like the dead idols that are worshipped in the world. He's our living God who is alive and real, Right? And the seal now, this speaks of that signet ring used by kings to stamp into wax on documents like we saw with this document in Jesus' hand. And it affirms uh, uh, authenticity and ownership. So here's this seal this angel is bringing with him. Now, what is this seal to do, and we're going to see this, and, and I'm going to show you a few things here. Number one is the seal is to mark those who belong to God. That's we're going to see what is happening. Matter of fact, we we, we read it already in verse three, but 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 that's what the seal is. It's to seal uh, and mark those who belong to God. And what is this mark? Well, it's from God. It's from the living God. So. 
So he's marking those that, that are of his. And what is this? Turn to the right over to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. And look at verse 1. The mark is described a little more here in Revelation 14. A few pages over to the right, verse 1, it says, And then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his Father's name written on their foreheads. So Jesus' name and the Father's name was written on their foreheads. That's how they were marked. So this is the mark. This is the seal signifying that they belong to God. You know, in contrast, this made me think about how the devil likes to mimic God. We're going to see that just as we believe in a triune God, right? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, Satan's going to have him, the Antichrist, and a false prophet. He's going to have three of three kind of his evil uh, tr- uh, trinity too, but also he mimics the mark too. If you just look up, look at ver- uh, chapter 13 of Revelation, verse 17, he has a mark too. It says, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. So Satan likes to do the same thing there. So we see now this seal is to mark are those who belong to God. And there's a second thing. Go back to Revelation chapter 7. There's a second thing here. This seal is a mark of protection from the judgment. This seal is a mark of protection from the judgment. Now, we, we read here that the angel sends and he brings this seal and calls out to the loud voice to the four angels. They've been given power to harm earth and sea. Right? They're ready to, to, they're servants of God. They're ready to bring that judgment upon the world. But this other angel comes and says in verse 3, Don't harm the earth or the sea or trees until we've sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. So this angel's telling him, Hold on, hold on. You know, we want to first mark, we want to seal these guys so they're protected. So that they, they would not be harmed from the judgments that are going to fall upon the earth. You know what's interesting to me is this scene comes right after uh, the people of the earth saying, like, look above verse 17 of Revelation 6. Remember, the great day of their wrath has come, verse 17, chapter 6. Who can stand? Right? They throw out that question. Who can stand? Well, you know who can? It's these guys who are sealed, who are marked And this mark is a mark of protection from the judgment. Now we've seen something like this before. In the Old Testament, God protected the Israelites from the death angel of the 10th plague. You remember in Exodus 11? uh, That came and killed the firstborn of the Egyptians. God's mark, right, was the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their house. It's saying, you know what, that home belonged to those who are forgiven. We've seen in Joshua, remember Rahab and her family was marked by a scarlet cord, right? Put out her window when Israel came and the walls fell down of Jericho and all. Well, her family was saved, right, from falling down, being destroyed. And so that scarlet cord marked the place which belonged to those who believe in the living God. And I think about this, when Israel abandoned God, took pleasure and wickedness and idolatry, went after 
or other idols. God first sent an angel to mark the remnant there in Israel and protect them from the judgment to fall on Jerusalem. And, and this, is, this is Ezekiel 9, verse 4. It says, And the Lord said to him, Pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations that are committed in it. So we've seen this kind of marking before and protection from the judgments that fall. And so this is the same thing here. Before the next round of judgments come, those who belong to God are given a mark to protect them from harm in the tribulation. So, so it, it, this is what is happening here. God is putting his seal, his mark, to, to safeguard these people. You know, I was thinking about, you know, if you look inside your refrigerator in, in an office break room, right, you find all kinds of containers and bags and things, and there's lunches, snacks, and, you know, drinks with uh, people's names on it, right? And if you don't want anyone to touch your food, you make sure that you put your name on that bag or your, or your lunch or, you know, lunch bag or, or lunch bag or, or drink or whatever that is, right? You make sure your name, that container has your name. And if you see someone grabbing that, you go, hey, don't touch that, that's mine, right? That's off limits, right? And you get all mad and get all in the flesh about it, right? No, you don't. Because you're Christians. But if it doesn't, oh, free for all, yeah? Oh, this soda looks good, yeah. Oh, too bad, nobody put their name on it, right? But that's the idea. God will put his name on these by his seal, and the judgments will not be able to touch them. There is a seal, another seal, and that is a seal from our King Jesus. And he's placed that on us. Ephesians 1.13 talks about how we're sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Later in Ephesians 4, it talks about the Holy Spirit is, is, is our promise of redemption, that we're redeemed by Jesus. And did you know that? The Holy Spirit that lives within us, as we are temples of the Spirit, when we come to the Lord, the Spirit comes to live inside of us. That's our seal. That's our mark. That says that we belong to God. That says that that we are His child. That says that we have a place in heaven. We are one of the redeemed and we have eternal life. So know this today. If you're a believer here, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who regenerates us, who gives us new life. The Holy Spirit comes and resides in us. He's the one helping us grow and sanctifies us in, in the Lord. The Holy Spirit comes and fills us and empowers us. The Holy Spirit is living inside of us. It's a crazy thing to think about. But the Holy Spirit is here in this room, and the Holy Spirit is here in you. The Holy Spirit helps you understand things, the Word of God, and hear God speak. That's the Holy Spirit inside you, and know that the Holy Spirit is a sign, it's a mark, it's a seal telling you, you're a child of God. The devil may attack you, the devil may oppress you, the devil may tempt you, but he can never pull you out of the family of God and he can never remark you with his own mark. He cannot. And know that today, be assured today, no matter how you feel when you walked in here, 
Be assured that you're a, you are a child of God. We are who He says we are. And the Holy Spirit confirms that. The Holy Spirit confirms that, hey, we're, we have the assurance of heaven in our future. That we are the redeemed. That Jesus loves us and is working in our lives. Know that today, no matter, no matter what the devil may try and tell you. Someone said, you are safe not because of the absence of danger, but because of the presence of God. And I love that. Though these these, these 144,000, they're going to be in the tribulation. But they will be marked. And though there's a lot of danger going on, they are safe because they're marked. And you are too, you guys. Because of the presence of God, the Holy Spirit in you today. Know that. Have faith in that. Hold on to that today. Be encouraged. So there's a pause in the judgments to mark who? Well, that's what's going to unfold even more to, to mark the missionaries of redeemed Israel. So let's go to number two in our outline. The people who are sealed. We've seen the pause in the judgments. Now let's go to number two. The people who are sealed. And this is going to finish our section from verse four through eight. But first of all, look at verse four. Verse 4 reads in Revelation chapter 7, And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Now, we'll stop there. Now, these guys, 144,000, these are the servants of our God, verse 3. These are the ones being sealed. So connect that. These are servants of God. Yeah. They're being sealed, and there's 144,000 of them. Why is there 144,000? Well, there's going to be, and we're going to see the list in a moment, but there's 12,000 from every tribe of Israel, and so 12,000 times 12 is 144,000. So, I want to show you, I want to put four, I want you to see a couple things again. Number one, God will save and raise up 144,000 from Israel to serve Him, the servants of God. How? As missionaries sharing the gospel of Jesus. That's their, that's their calling. That's their mission. That's what they are doing here. God's going to save these Jews and He's going to raise them up, 144,000 of them, Jewish guys, from Israel, from every tribe, and they're going to serve. They're servants of God as missionaries sharing the gospel of Jesus. This is amazing. This is in the tribulation. God will save these guys. God will, God will raise them up. They're going to be the ultimate Jews for Jesus. They're going to be, someone said, they're going to be the kosher Billy Grahams. I like that one too, right? They're going to be evangelists. They're going to be missionaries. They're going to be bringing the light of Jesus in the dark world. Revelation chapter 14, verse 4 says these 14,000 are called first fruits, meaning that they are set apart for a special service to the Lord. They're the first one saves, and then they're set apart to serve God in this manner. In Revelation 12, 17, it says that the Antichrist goes after all of these guys. Why? Because they hold to the testimony of Jesus. So these guys are Christians. They are believers. 
They have come to see Jesus as their Messiah. And they embrace Jesus Christ totally and become saved. And then they get on fire. God raises them up and they're going out preaching Jesus to their fellow people, to the fellow Jews. Can you imagine how effective they will be? I mean, I mean, think about it this way. If God used 12 disciples to change the whole world, can, can you imagine 12 times 12,000 missionaries? They will definitely impact the nation. And I believe they'll even impact the rest of the world. I really believe. I think the second half of chapter 7 is part of that that their witness is going to affect Gentiles too. But primarily their mission is to their fellow Jewish brothers and sisters. Amazing here. So God will save and raise up 144,000 from Israel to serve him as missionaries, sharing the gospel of Jesus. They belong to God now. They're being protected by God so they can go out and share Jesus. Second thing I want you to see is God will save Israel before Jesus returns. We're, this is really what it's saying, right? As we read verse 4, we see that God saves, raises up 144,000 of, says, every tribe of what? Israel. So God will save Israel. He's going to send these guys up to save Israel before Jesus returns. They're, that's their mission. So if that's their mission, it means God will save Israel in the time of the tribulation. Understand that today, Romans eleven twenty six, Paul talks about at the end of the verse, it says, all Israel will be saved. That's what he says. Paul wrote that. So God will keep his promise from the Old Testament to restore Israel one day, and that day will be during the tribulation. God's faithful to his promises, right? So he will be faithful to the people of Israel. I was thinking about how, you know, in, in the book of Isaiah, he wrote a letter of divorce to Israel. Israel is like his wife. God was like the husband. But they abandoned him as a nation, went after idols and, and went after worldly things. And God wrote, he did. He wrote a certificate or a, a, a divorce. He said, no more. But what we're seeing here is God will restore Israel. God will bring her back to himself in that relationship. Remember last year, and I've been talking about this over and over, but I'm going to bring it up again. Remember our studies in Daniel. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, talks about the 70 weeks. It's called the 70 weeks of Daniel, right? The 70 times 7 weeks are, are, are 7 uh, uh, years. So 70 uh, weeks of years. 70 times 7 years is 490 years. That was what was determined in that prophecy uh, for God to work with Israel. There was slotted 490 years for God to work with Israel. And that was that time clock was starting from the, the decree that went out to rebuild Jerusalem after the Babylonian captivity. So that's when the clock started. That's what the prophecy said. And that clock stopped 483 years into that time when Jesus came and died on the cross. Then the clock stopped. So 490 minus 483 is what? Seven, right? So when that clock stopped and Jesus died on the cross, rose again, and then Acts 2, the church was born. 
We are in the church age right now. We're Gentiles, even, even Jews too. We are coming to Jesus, getting saved. We're, the, we're people. That's the church age. But one day that church age will stop when? The rapture. That's right. The rapture, right? And when the rapture ends, that's why I believe the rapture is before the tribulation years. Then the clock starts up again. Daniel chapter 9 again. The time frame, the 409 years allotted, uh, determined for God to work with Israel. 480 years have gone by, but the clock stopped. So there's seven years left. And guess what that matches? The seven years tribulation. So it's during that time, God will once again work with Israel. And that's where the 144,000 come into play. They will get saved. They will go out. And now with Jesus, who died on the cross, rose again, they can truly be saved and have eternal life. And so we see that going on right here. And that's why there's 144,000 here. God will fulfill His promise, the prophecies of, of Israel being restored. And you know what? Israel... And the church will be together and go on together in the millennium time. The thousand year reign of Christ here on earth. So in a sense of tribulation years is, is for God to restore Israel, to save Israel, to prepare them for the millennium to come. I hope that's connecting some dots for you guys here. And understanding and why, wow, look what the Lord is doing here. God let me say this. God is not done with Israel. She will be saved. Turn over to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 12. Just past um, Matthew, uh, past um, Malachi. Go over a little bit. And there's Zechariah. If you go to Zechariah chapter 12. And look at verse 10. I believe that here in Zechariah 12, verse 10, is talking about this time, the time in the tribulation when Israel, when Jewish people will be saved and their eyes will be open to Jesus Christ. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, it says, And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy. There's God's mercy there all over again, yeah? So that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one who one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. So do you see? This is the time when Israel will come back to God through Jesus Christ. So God's going to use 144,000 missionaries to bring his people to Jesus. You know what, what's great about this is no matter the, in, in the history of Israel, no, no, no matter how many times they, they drifted away from God, no matter how many times they abandoned God, came back and abandoned him again, and then drifted into ritualism and religion during Jesus' time, no matter... There was always a remnant. There was always some who followed God. Some who, who believed the truth. Some who kept committed to God. And that's what we see here. Even in the tribulation, God has his remnant. And no matter how dark things get, God is his remnant. 
and they will shine the light. You know what I was thinking about that? As things get darker here in our world, I want to be part of the remnant, right? I want to be part of the remnant of believers, those holding on to the truth of the Word, those who still study the Word, those who still take, take things here and apply it into their life and filter things through the Word. Those who love the Word of God and who love Jesus more than anything else. I want to be part of that. I don't want to go the way of the prophecy I, well, I, I shared with you at the beginning, right? Those who, who, who left the faith. Those who love has grown cold. I don't want to be that. Do you? If you are today, get back on fire. If you are today, let's, let's stop whatever's extinguishing that fire. And let's get our passion for Jesus and His Word once again. Satan's really good at, at wooing you away from God. At, at, at making you apathetic of the things of God. Of, of making you sleepy and, and, oh, and start going after the things in the world. And, and maybe things in your life and, and hobbies or whatever that is. He's good at drawing you away. And he wants to do that. That's his deceptive practices, and that's he wants to destroy you. But let's commit to be the remnant, to be part of those who are still holding on to Jesus, no matter what goes on in this world, no matter what, that we will have that passion like maybe you had before, that we would have that hunger for God's Word like you had before. That we would go after Jesus every day. That we would fall in love with Him over and over and over and over again. I want to be that, you guys. I don't want to go, go by the way, of prophecy of what we see, what Paul talked about, what's going to happen to people who profess to believe. All right, so we see, first of all, God will save and raise up 144,000 from Israel to serve him as missionaries, sharing the gospel of Jesus. Number two, God will save Israel, which all of this really tells us, before Jesus returns. And then number three here, God lists each tribe involved just to make sure there's no confusion. (laughs) Take a look, verse 5. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, verse 7, 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. So exactly who are the 144,000? Well, it's listed right here from verse 5 through 8. It's pretty clear here. The 144,000 are from the tribes listed here of Israel. Now today... Uh, most of the Jews, they, you know, they don't really know what the tribe they're from. Uh, the records were lost when the Romans uh, took down the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD, around there, after Jesus' death and resurrection. So the, the, the genealogies in, in the records, uh, no one, they don't really know exactly. 
But God knows here. And I don't know, maybe something will be revived or found or something, but God knows, yeah? Maybe, um, what's that site? Like Ancestry.com or something, you know, they research stuff. Maybe there's going to be a Jewish Ancestry.com or something like that. My uh, Someone um, gifted my daughter one of those things, and she texted my wife the other day, and the, the mixes, yeah, Japanese, you know, what was that? German or something, or that different mixes, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, in there. But it's kind of interesting. But anyway, in this time, God knows, and it will come out that 12,000 from these 12 tribes will be the 144,000. 12,000 from each tribe. Now, there's a few interesting things to note in this list. First of all, we see in uh, uh, verse 5, the first tribe listed was Judah. Now, even though Reuben was the eldest son, he lost his birthright, right, when he commit, had some sexual misconduct going on, First Chronicles 5, and so he lost that. But Judah went up to the top, because why? The Messiah is to come to the line of King David, who was from the tribe of Judah, and Jesus came from that line. So Judah's there. Judah's that kingly line, and so mentioned first. So that, that's a note. Something here... Something else is, is that Dan, the tribe of Dan is not listed here, nor the tribe of Ephraim. And it could be because, well, they, they left God going after idols. They're, they might have been the worst tribes to do that. Also, the tribe of Levi is listed here, which is interesting because normally Levi is not put in there because their inheritance is the Lord. They didn't get any land. You know, but Levi is listed here. And another interesting thing is that Joseph, his name is listed, who is the father of Ephraim and Manasseh. He kind of replaced Ephraim there, but um, we're not sure. We don't know exactly why. One day in heaven, we can ask God and find out why and ask John, how come? How come this? What's going on? And we can have a Bible study on that. So a few things are not clear, but. Be clear on this. The 144,000 are Jews. Be clear, very clear on that. I, I, I feel like that, that God mentions, oh, the tribe of Israel, there are 144,000. And just to underline it, just to make it clear, he lists the 12,000 from each tribe so that we would not be confused. So be clear on that. But you know what? Still, people get confused. <laughs> I, was, I was reading like there's some weird, new agey, weird kind of, it felt really creepy and demonic. Like, you can be part of the 144,000. You know, it's the 144,000 that influenced the world. And I was like, ooh, I got off of that real quick. I was like, it felt weird, real, real weird. It's that doctrine of demons, you know. We know that the JWs, right, they say they are the 144,000. I was talking to one of them one time when they came to the door, and I said, hey, you know, what about this 144,000? I mean, isn't there more worldwide, more Jehovah's Witness, right, than 144,000 now? They say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, they, they're the leaders. They're the leaders, yeah. Yeah, they're the ones who are going to go to heaven, but the rest of us are going to be down on the earth. I go, I, th I felt sad, like, what? Because they talk about, you know, God's going to come, 
uh, like the millennial time, make a perfect world, and so we get to live on this perfect world, you know. But they don't even get to go to heaven. It's only 144,000. I think what happened was, oh no, we're Jehovah's Witness, we're the 144,000. And, and when they reached that number, it was like, oh, what are we going to do? Well, that's just for the leaders. It's okay. So we can expand our numbers, right? That's what I think what happened. You know what's funny? My, my friend, he won't say Jehovah's Witness. He won't call them that because he said, they're not, Jeho- they're not of Jehovah, nor are they witnesses. <laughs> so he calls them JWs. I thought that was a good one. <laughs> I was laughing at that. Understand, though, there's some Christians, and they say this. They say, God, God he's, he's Paul with Israel. He's done. No more. Yeah. And so when it talks about Israel here, it's really the church. The church is the spiritual Israel. And so anytime you read the church in Revelation or about the church, they replace it. I mean, anytime you read Israel, they replace it with the church. And that's called replacement theology. I don't think so. I think God makes it pretty clear here. Why would he list, you know, every tribe here, the 12, you know, 12,000 from here and there? I mean, why, why would he take the time? Because it's Jewish people who are the 144,000. I think it's pretty, pretty clear here. You know, the enemy hates Israel. We know that. We know anti-Semitism, yeah? Really underneath that, yeah? That feeling, really, it's, it's the devil. He hates Israel because God loves them. And he wants to confuse things. He wants to bring false thinking. But let me tell you, in the end, God cannot be stopped. Amen? Amen? The 144,000 here, they're marked. They're sealed. They're going to go out. They're protected. They cannot be stopped, you guys. And, and, and they're going to share Jesus. And that is not going to be stopped. 144,000 Jews, saved Jews, redeemed of Israel. They're going to go out with this fire, this light, with the Spirit, they're going to be going out. Yeah, you know, comes comes to my mind is is that worship song, right? There is power in the name of Jesus. To there is power in the name of Jesus, right? Then what? To break every chain. To break every chain. Uh, one of the verses goes, "All sufficient sacrifice, so freely given, such a price, bought our redemption. Heaven's gates swing wide." And, and I almost feel like they're singing this. We're, we're going to see. They're going to have their own song they sing. But I almost picture them singing this song. There's power in the name of Jesus. And then there's a line in this song right, we, we worship with. There's a line that says, there's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. And this is it. This is the army rising up for God to share Jesus Christ. There's an army rising up. And God wants to raise the army up today. You and I. Those who are willing to cast self aside. To march to the truth of Jesus. Will you today be part of that army? Will you be part of what God is doing? Will you set yourself aside? No longer live for self. But live for the will and call of God upon your life. 
Will you do that? Don't get caught up in, in the motions of things. And, and I, I'll tell you, I, I felt a lot of attack this week. A lot. A lot of oppression. A lot of feelings like, I don't know, maybe I should just give up. Forget this. You know? I did. Honestly. There's a lot of praying I did this week. But you know, today, I stand before you and say, you know what? I'm going to put those emotions aside because I know who I am in Christ. I've been marked with the Holy Spirit. I know where I'm going. And I know the truth and what's coming up ahead. And you know what? I want to be part of the army rising up. I may not be part of the 144,000, but I want to go in the same spirit. I want to have the same attitude right now before the church is taken up. Jesus is calling you and I today. I believe throughout this pandemic time, it's been a weird time. I believe even as we come out of it, Satan's going to be pressing down even more harder because the end time is coming. He's going to be setting up this world for the rise of the Antichrist, globalism, uh, 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 government overreach. All this stuff is all preparation, setting up so the Antichrist could take power. All the flip upside down of morality and what society believes and wants. It's, it's all a setup. So when he rises up, everyone will embrace him. So with that comes this oppression of the truth. With that comes oppression on Christians. With that comes this battle. But you know what? I want to rise up. Yeah? I want to rise up and rise up in that and not be succumbed to that. Think about this. God right now is preparing the hearts of the 144,000 to receive Jesus and be raised up. Think about that, because I believe it's, all this is around the corner. I believe that the 144,000 of the Jews, God's getting things ready for them to be saved, to be raised up today. God is already moving, right? We see in the country of Israel already. And you know why? Because God is a God of restoration. Understand that. As we we close this morning, put that in your mind. If God wrote the certificate of divorce, but He's going to restore Israel like He promised in the Scriptures, He is a God of restoration. He is a God of restoration. In 1947, right, God restored, May 1947, God restored Israel to be a nation again. That's the God of restoration working. Then God restored the land. I mean, the the area of Israel is mostly desert. No one really wanted it. You guys went, oh, good, take it, yeah? But God blessed them as they irrigated. And you know what? Today... I was reading, Israel produces 95% of its own food requirements. The desert blossom. Yeah, they have their technology, others, but this is God's hand upon this people, right? God restored their military. Today, they rank 18th out of 140 global military powers. And their air force is, is ranked right up there, one of the best in the world. Don't mess with Israel. Yeah. God is a God of restoration and restored the nation, restored the land, restored 
their military force like they were in Old Testament. They're they're like, oh, watch out for them, right? Rahab's like, oh, we heard about you guys. We're we're in fear. God is a God of restoration, and He's bringing His people back into the land. In 1950, there's numbers. The population was about one million. Today, 2021, it's over nine million is is in Israel right now. God is restoring His people back. I think He's bringing them back because they're going to be as a nation believing in Jesus Christ. God is a God of restoration. God is even. Um, I, I, I like this. I, I learned this a number of years ago, but God has even restored their language. Now, I'll close with this. There was a man named uh, Eliezer ben Yehuda who is responsible for the rebirth of the Hebrew language. Before, it was only used for study and, and not the spoken language of the Jewish people. I mean, they didn't really use it since the time, really, of the Bible. When he came to move into the area, which is now the state of, you know, the country of Israel in 1871, he went to his wife. He surprised his wife by saying, you know what? We're only going to speak Hebrew in our house from here on. We're in the land of Israel. We're going to speak Hebrew then. And she, of course, being Jewish, said, okay. And she learned to do just that. And they, they raised their children in Hebrew. At that time, though, everyone thought he was crazy. What? What? What are you doing? But by 1922, all Jewish pioneers in the land were speaking Hebrew. And then the British authorities then recognized Hebrew to be the official language of the Jews. And that's how the Hebrew language was restored and now is the language of Israel. God is a God of restoration. Do you see that? God still loves Israel. God is not done with Israel. And I'll tell you, God is a God of restoration and he's not done with you. Either. No matter what you've been through. No matter what you're going through. No matter where you've fallen. No matter what it is. God desires to restore you. Restore that relationship to him. That's what God's going to do. He's going to restore that relationship with Israel. So will you return today? Will you repent of your sin? Will, will, Will you turn away from bad choices? Go to God. And know God can make you new again. God is a God of restoration. He'll restore his relationship with Israel. And I believe it will be very, very soon. Maranatha, right? Oh, you guys are good. Maranatha! There it is. And when God begins to do that, it will be through the sending out, the marking, of the 144,000, the missionaries of Redeem Israel. Let's pray. Lord, as we've been stirred up here, God, by your word, as we've been focusing in on what will happen, Lord, between the sixth and seventh seal during the tribulation, that you once again will save people in Israel and there will be 144,000 missionaries going out. God, as we see this prophecy, Lord, it stirs me up and I hope it stirs all of us up, God, to be the remnant, to be missionaries where we live, where we work, where we go to school, to be missionaries, God, even being sent out, perhaps. Perhaps, Lord, you are calling someone right now in the sound of my voice to be a missionary to a foreign land somewhere. Lord, confirm that by your Holy Spirit. 
And I pray, God, for anyone here who, who, Lord, needs restoration, who's broken right now, who's messed things up, but who wants to come to you, God, may you show them your love and your heart that you desire to restore people, to help people, just as you are doing with Israel today, and will complete it in the, revel- in the time of the tribulation. Lord, your word is so rich here in the book of Revelation, and God, let us drink it, let us eat it up, and let it affect us today, God. We need you so much. We want you so much. And so, Lord, I pray as we close out in this song that you would fill us with your spirit and we walk out of here in the power of your spirit with your name stamped on our foreheads. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.